0: Welcome, adventurer, to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Hey, welcome, adventurers. It's episode 89, and we're so happy to be a part of your day. This is just Patrick. Hey, King
1: Scott here. Hello, it's your dung merchant. There he is. <laughs> As the Lord Eye Chief Dung Collector, I'm very concerned about your performance, and we need to have a review. Uh, uh,
0: uh,
2: very good, very good. What, what review shall we do? Um, I, I'll, sp- I'll speak to you later after this.
1: Uh, What, what, good, good, pip, pip, cheerio. Already off the rails, guys. No,
0: I'm putting the kibosh on this. We've got a packed episode, guys. I'm looking at the outline. This is going to go long. I can already tell. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, we got Lions of Lydia, long shot the Dice Game, a ton more in the recent ventures. We got Core to get to. We're going to do the Time Warp. We've got a little bit of everything today, so we can't. No, no screwing around, you two. Oh, 0% chance that's going to happen. <laughs> Guys, let's dive right into banter. All right. Uh, and I'm going to start here. Townsfolk Tussle with two expansions went live on Kickstarter on March 14th. And I remember talking about this one. It was about a year ago. And they're like, yeah, by the end of summer, we're going to have more copies. And they just never came. They just never came. Finally, finally, it's back up on Kickstarter. Cause I remember when it was around the first time, it was like 80 or 100 bucks. And then oh, yeah. secondary market, it was like
1: 250, $300. You know, I, I let my my buddy, Canadian Kev, just have my copy. What? And that was when I was going for like 350 bucks. See, that is the kind of person that I am. Canadian, that's like $500. It, it's, it's infinite money. <laughs> you, you could live
0: like kings on your yeah. Spoke tussle money. Yeah. Now, well, I do well, have. You they, are they, a sweetheart. They, they
1: asked me if I would cover the, the, the new stuff, and it, mm-hmm. they just didn't get it. Get me the uh, uh, tabletop simulator thing in time. I just got it. I'm going to try to do something. Check it out. That's a fun little boss battler. No, they didn't ask uh, Level Up Board Game Podcast if they wanted to cover it. Well, we can do it together. (laughs) I I, I got the mod. Ah, well.
0: Well, thank you. You know what? Maybe. Maybe we'll look at uh, Townsfolk Tussle as a feature review for next time we have you on. We bantered about it a year ago, but we can go a little bit deeper. That sounds like a plan. Munchkin is coming to digital. If that's your jam, let's, let's pause right here. I, the only person I know that absolutely loves Munchkin is this dude named Kyle in
1: Pittsburgh. But you guys like Munchkin? Uh, what are, what are some collective thoughts here on Munchkin? It's fun. Um, it's not my favorite take that game. It, it goes along. It was one of the first kind mm-hmm. of of the kind of modern, hobby, popular games I ever played. and So I enjoyed when I played it. It goes too long. But if I'm going to go for a take-that game that's just pure take-that and is goofy and silly, I'm going to go Red Dragon every day.
0: Nice.
2: Scott, Munchkin? Yeah. Munchkin, uh, I, I can appreciate what it's doing. Uh, okay. I like the humor and things like that. But, yes, it overstays its welcome. It gets to the point of everyone just trying to kill the one person in top. And then by that time you're four hours in and you're just like, okay, just, <laughs> just kill, just kill me. That's all.
0: Like, just kill. like King I of the Hill. Yeah. And you you know what you know what I always didn't didn't care for was that like you'd have three people at level nine, right? After after the dust had settled and you beat back the leader and, and there's some number of people at level nine and somebody flips Dracula and they can't beat it, and then the next guy flips the potted plant with like a two, and they're like, Well, I'm at a sixteen. Everybody's looking at their hand like, Well, I can't pump it up enough to for it to mm-hmm. matter. So I guess you win by killing the potted plant. Plant. But hey, I like Munchkin. That was one of the first games that like really got me in the hobby. You know that the, the, the tongue in cheek humor of it, and that we could play it after a magic tournament and have some fun with it. I
1: got nothing oh, wrong with you, it. It's coming like to magic? digital.
0: You, oh, you liked magic? I didn't know you liked magic. Yeah, funny Will. It's coming to digital. So if Munchkin's your jam, you're gonna be able to play it on your phone.
1: Yeah, you, you know it's. Uh, have, have you guys played Red Dragon End? I have not,
0: but I've nope. seen
1: all the things. Now, uh, what is it? There's a new one on Kickstarter right oh, now. Yeah, there's there's a there's a bazillion of them. I'm telling you, it's pure. Take that. This is not. A, it's not about Red Dragon in, but I'm, I'm going to talk a little about Red Dragon later. But I'm telling you, at Origins, we'll find a copy. They have to have a copy. Oh sure. If nothing else, we'll go to the Red Dragon, the Slugfest booth that they have one. We'll just play a game there. It's it's the best. Take that. It's a date.
2: I uh, will give it a try. I'm not a big take that kind of fan, but I uh, hey, I'll join you definitely. I
1: will
0: team up with you against Patrick. Ooh. Scott is totally. You are not a take that kind of guy. So I had Scott uh, when we reviewed Twilight Imperium uh, way a couple of years ago. Now uh, one of the cards, one of the the that actions feels you can like take. Still the, playing, let me tell you. Yeah, for real. No, it's a. Uh, one of the cards is it allows you to choose any number of players and you give them their commodities. They get to replenish commodities, which is a good thing. And the idea is you want to barter with this card. Like, I'll do it for you, but you got to throw me one of them, right? So, that, like, you're profiting off of it. They get a little something, something. You get a little something, something. So, like, you make buddies with this card. Scott plays that card round one. He's like, uh, everybody re- replenish your commodities. <laughs> Friends with the whole table. He's he was the uh, he was the gift that kept giving. Love it. You are you are yep. not a take that yep. person.
1: No, I am not. Yeah, you know Scott, it's I'm usually not either. In most games that has a little bit of take that, I hate it.
0: Mm-hmm. Just, just
1: like a little bit. But this particular game, that is the game. It is comic comedy and take that. I can be there for that. Okay. You know, okay, it's, okay. it's hard to get. It's hard to get butt hurt when like the whole point. Is like, oh, you punched me, Scott. Well, now I played a card that says, oh, you think that hurts? Try this. And then you play a card that says, oh, I'm actually over there. And it all hits Patrick. Like, it's hard to get butthurt about that.
2: Well, I can't <laughs> really say much. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going down this rabbit hole now with the old game lunch money with the two little girls on the playground beating each other up with chains and baseball bats and... You're going oh, way yeah, back, back for lunch money. That's
1: like circa ninety five. Oh, oh, is that what it's like for the for little kids in school now, Patrick? Is that what your daughter goes to? You're the, the one the who's chain? the teacher. Well, when we
0: when we trust people like Will with our children, that's that's what ends up happening. I
1: teach high school. All right. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and most of most of my students have jobs, multiple jobs. Yeah. Some of them. Ow. Oh, I'm sorry.
2: I swung the mailbag around. I got you with, like, the little clip on the end there. Because it's empty. We need some stuff here. We need some stuff from people. Questions, thoughts. Pick things for Patrick and I to fight about.
0: Uh, yeah, do check out the mail. Uh, if you go to the website, levelupgamepodcast.com, there's a big yellow box on the top right that says, ask a question. Please ask a question. It can be something simple. What kind of coffee are you drinking? Right now, I'm going back with that uh, Bones Coffee, courtesy of Chip Theory Games. Loving it. Or it can be a game-related question. Uh, it, quite frankly, it gives us content that's easy to come up with. Will, I mentioned Chip Theory Games. I understand you passed 5,100 followers and you had a little
1: giveaway. Nice. I did. I just, as of today of recording, locked off the submissions. There are about, you can get more than one entry, but there's just about 600 entries and I'm going to be rolling the dice and seeing who who wins that. And I'm I'm really hoping it's somebody close because it's really heavy. <laughs> There'll be shenanigans of Scott or me if one of us wins, but uh, congratulations. Well, that's uh, yeah, well deserved. That's, that's awesome. And you know, I want to say, I'm impressed that you, you called it the Chip Theory Games coffee. Because if that was not a blatant Hey, Chip Theory Games, send me some more coffee. <laughs> it, you, you, it was delicious you coffee. I do, they I do us, like the Open Dark. The, the, they the, the gave us the pack. promo packs,
0: too, and we just gave them away. For uh, the Too Many Bones, the promo packs were like, you know, let's let's give these away. Like,
1: you know, we, we share the love. We yeah, share I, the love. I do like that. The Open dar- Dark. Is that what it's called? Yes. Open Dark. Yeah. Open, yeah, yeah that, that that one is good. I do like that one. Guys, Catapult Feud is
0: getting an animated series. Vesuvius Media teaming up with Composition Media to adapt Catapult Feud into an animated TV series. Scott, you had that. We got this from, we got it from Dawn and yes, you gave yes, it to one did. of your nephews. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. I really wanted to play that. Found a guy in Pittsburgh selling his stuff secondhand. Wouldn't you know it? I have everything like the all in for catapult feud and i can't wait to set that up at my brother's house and uh, and and just start firing at each other um it's a little dexterity game you remember weapons and warriors crossbows and catapults like from when we were crossbows and catapults okay it's that it's that Uh, it was Kickstarter a few years ago apparently they have a kids television program coming out about two feuding families the Cunningfields and the Shoforts, who compete with catapults and conspiracies to conquer each other to rule the kingdom of Catapultia. I hear the fe-
1: Cunningfields are linguists. <laughs> we- <laughs> We're just going to let that one go. you hey, just gone on forever. That one is. If your kids understand it, it's not our fault. Nor are nor should they uh, be watching this TV show if they understood that because it's it's <laughs> they're too old. The feud has gone on forever, and the adults just can't seem to get along But the next
0: generation of Cunningfields fields and show force. You know, I can't say it without thinking it. Have a plan to bring peace. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I actually would kind
1: of want to watch this. Whoa, wait. You, now you want to watch it after that joke? Wow. I, it's funny. that are not no, on the I internet, get, Patrick. That's not What, they, not what, what well, they
2: need to do is they need to do something like the old Captain Power thing where they had it where you had battery controlled things you would shoot at the TV and would shoot back at you where you actually launched the catapult never mind that sounded better on, in my mind wait is this a thing what the, the, there was a TV show that shot you oh uh, captain power yes they would have you had little spaceships with batteries in it and they would have flashing lights on the TV and if it 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 hit your spaceship it would blow up
0: huh wow that
2: sounds and like this fun. Was back in the
0: 80s I was going to say they had a lot of things before most of us were born that you know about.
1: I mean, they also they also played lawn darts, so you know it's. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. Survival of the fittest. That's all it is. <laughs> How do you think Scott became king for a while? Lawn darts. Telling
0: right. so you what, going into it, low expectations and just take it for what it is. I, I'm, I'm curious about what the catapult viewed kids TV series is going to be. I'm sure it's going to be garbage, but. I want to, I want to catch an episode, quite frankly. Scott, you got one on here about upcoming. We got two more that are all about uh, TV and film. Well,
2: thinking about low expectations, we've got the new Dungeons (laughs) and Dragons movie coming out. Oh, Uh, you you take that back. My expectations are sky high. I'm going to go in. Hey, hey, I lived through the the other ones before and um, they were bad. Yeah, really bad. So it looks fun. I, I, I like what they're going going with with this. It looks like it's going to be a good time. But it I'm looks like a disaster.
0: Disappointment. You know what? You look like a disaster. Right, but I don't pretend to be a multi-million dollar blockbuster movie either. This, thing's, this thing looks like hot garbage. It's going to be great. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that.
1: It's got I'll some go good actors it. in it. It's got some good actors in it. The t- The time is ripe for this kind of movie. And it makes me happy that, like, the real D&D nerds are getting real pissed off about it. They're like, oh, excuse me, a druid cannot turn into an owlbear. Excuse me. And if you are a uber D&D nerd, find a Level Up Board Game podcast on all the social media and post your hatred there. Well, I don't think anybody's posting
0: about it. I don't think we got to worry about that. I hope they. You do. know what you do have to worry about is we have one, and we actually we have a trailer for this. This is uh, the Hallmark Channel has a movie coming out. Well, it came out by the time you are listening on March eleventh called Game of Love. All right, featuring two game designers who fall in love. Uh, you know what? Out, hold your thoughts, guys. Here, let's cue the preview.
1: How do you play the game of love? We're going to make a
0: board game, and you two are going to team up for it! Sounds like a good way to make some money.
1: Oh, you! With all your heart. You know you're just
0: pasting on theme here, right? Well, you keep trying to shove special meeples
2: into the game. I wanted a hero game, but not like this, Dennis. Not this.
0: This just isn't going to work. But things take a turn...
1: ...for love.
2: Dennis!
0: Dennis! YOU SHALL NOT pass.
2: THAT THEY MAY TAKE OUR LIFE! But they'll never take home freedom! My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. Dennis?
1: I love you. They
0: come! There it is, exclusive preview on level up. This, this, I'm telling you, mind is going to be blown when you see this.
1: You know, I know it's board games and not D and D, but I feel like they rolled a nat twenty. Well done, Will.
0: Good, good tie in
1: is
2: Heather. I'm like my wife doesn't really get into board games, but I might be able to trick her into
0: it by watching this with her. <laughs> I mean, especially if she likes Dennis, Hallmark uh, Channel uh, board games. You know what, guys? That feels like a good spot to transition
1: right into recent adventures. Will, you're the guest. Give us what what you've been playing lately. All right. So there's two. And uh, also, I like that, Scott, oh, my gosh, there's so much snow happening there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about that? Scott, I just saw, I mean, 30 years ago today was the blizzard of 93. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, well, we we had like four feet of snow overnight and then another four feet the next day. It was amazing. We had off school
1: for a month. So uh, this is a very great podcast, but it's very pretty behind Scott, all the snow coming down. We, we have an atmospheric river coming through here. You know Just listen to it for a minute.
0: Ah, very nice. Soothing. Soothing.
1: But, uh, t- sorry, uh, t- totally distracted by the, the beautiful snow behind Scott's already beautiful face. Oh. <laughs> and he closed it. Wow. Wow. So uh, anyway, so the, I actually had two. Patrick told me just to have one, but I, I but I pouted, and he said fine two. But I'll, I'll do this first one quick. First one is a game called Lions of Lydia from a local-ish to me designer, Johnny Pack, and this is a game that hit Kickstarter a couple years ago. And I described it when I did a video as I call it a Splendor killer. It didn't happen. It didn't kill Splendor, but it should not because it plays like Splendor. But because if you're looking for that weight of game, easy to teach, you would go for Splendor. Or you could go for this. And what makes this, this is a bag management game. And you reach into your bag, you always have four meeples in your bag. And whatever color meeple you put out, then you put it at one of the gates and you get different resources. And you're, you know, just resources up and down is what you're doing, a la Splendor. But it comes with eight mini modules that can take it from like a Splendor weight game do something way more advanced. Mm-hmm. It is incredible. Everybody, Lions of Lydia, that's Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A. It's based off of the Lydians were the first peoples to use coinage, is the idea. So when you eventually introduce gold meeples into the market, suddenly coins are there and coins are wild. It's a great game that not enough people play. So Lions of Lydia, it's a maze balls. Let me ask you this. while well, I'm
0: seeing wait 1.97. That means this is going to be a relatively simple to play game. Age 14 and up. I'm guessing this is one of those cases of they had to slap that on the box because of like packaging standards around yeah, like there's, there's, there's things bunch of little that people's. kids can choke on. Yeah. Okay, what's what's a good age range for this? Could I teach Sarah? She's eight. Yeah, I I, I bet because I assume she's played games with you before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've done uh, some Ticket to Ride First Journey. Uh, We love Taco Cat and uh, Jenga, if you count it, but she loves Jenga, so we're getting in on Jenga.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much harder Rego Ticket to Ride is from Ticket to Ride First Journey. Not very. But Okay, well, if it's about the same, then the the core game of Lions of Lydia is probably going to be about the same weight as a core game of Ticket to Ride. Okay, And then okay. That, that, that roughly 2.0 weight that it is, it probably goes up to like a 2.4 2.5 when you start adding in different modules. Are those meeples tiny?
0: Because I'm looking at the pictures and I see it looks like there's those gates around the outside. There's that there's that white thing in the middle and then it, the it's meeples look small or is it just that uh, that
1: ev- that the gates are so big? Uh, the gates aren't that big. They're, they're normal size meeples, whatever size. Okay. They're, they're not the mini meeples. They're norm meeples. Yeah, no, no, normie, normies. They're normies.
2: Yeah, well, let's see. It does have a nice presence on the table there. That would be a nice one, like game cafe, coffee shop, something mm-hmm. like that. It looks like it will be a nice
0: place to set that up and play
1: yeah, It's another one that if uh, it's in the, the library at Origins, we're going to have to play that, too. Yeah. You're yeah. just going to book all of our Origins for us. Well, no, because or or you can find a copy, and then we can take it to a pub. Ah, huh, well, okay. And we I mean, can, I'm gonna bring like one we can sit in the uh,
0: not air conditioned side and drink wow. their their
1: stale beer. <laughs> That's the only beer I've ever not finished. I am I am compulsive oh. about finishing beverages that are not water, and even that I was like
0: mm. No, something went bad. <laughs> something was spoiled in that. You know what? I'll never forget that, though. That that made for a nice, memorable experience. Not that beer, but like just being able to chill with you and Adam and, and just hang out outside of the convention for a minute. It was was really nice.
1: That was the start of our bad decisions, so we took all those beers back <laughs> and then yes. got splattered in gnomes. <laughs> all right,
0: gents. I mentioned last episode that I was going to have a bit of a rant about Obsession and It is time now this isn't on the gameplay itself or for that matter the the game at all really but rather my recent quests with said game and the journey to be the best on board game arena board game arena has the elo the the ranking like where you stack amongst the other players Hello. And then like obsession yeah the the elo uh it ties ties in nicely with obsession if you hit 500, you're really good at a game, and you're probably ranking really close to the top. Obsession has, I don't know, I stopped counting. It's something like 1,800 players whenever I sorted by ELO ranking, kept clicking down. Safe okay, rate. follow me, guys. <clears throat> Back in episode 85, we had a review session of Obsession. Needless to say, the game made an impression, and before I knew it, I felt like playing on Board Game Arena was my profession. With each win, my score's progression would climb and climb with quite the aggression. I would use discretion while playing Obsession because I didn't want my score regression, but unfortunately, I have a confession. While a win would grant two points, a loss would take away like 17 Right. The kind of regression that felt like oppression. And I've, uh, I would have an expression of obsession, depression. <laughs> I get it. All said, guys, my score peaked uh, at an ELO of 507, which was good enough for fourth in obsession on board game arena. The problem, though, is that like, I think I want to say I was averaging like an 81% win rate and that's not enough to keep climbing. I would hit 500. And uh, like four times, I would hit the 500 ELO. And all it takes is one loss, and I'm back to 480. And to make matters worse, for me, for whatever reason, losses seem to come in pairs. So I'd be riding high like, oh, I'm about to take third place. Boom, back-to-back losses. I'm at 466. And you know what that means? I need to reel off like a dozen wins in a row to get back to where I was. So I would a second time and a third time. And just earlier today, I started today at, like, 5.07, and I'm currently at, like,
1: 4.70. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I am done. (laughs) But you can't be done because there are two games that, brave listeners, Patrick and I have been talking about playing games on BGA for, what, Mm -hmm. three months now? And we've played a grand total of how many games, Patrick? Probably zero. Yeah, zero. Okay. Get the hint, Will. I want to play Obsession. <laughs> so there's that and uh, Beyond the Sun that that we need to set up a game so I can learn and then we can just play it async. Oh, I'd be delighted.
0: I I'd, I'd absolutely be delighted. What I what I meant when I say I'm done is now the, I'm afraid the journey to, play to be number against 1. You. Well, see, he wants to play me now so he can get that Elo back up. Oh no, that no, that's the problem. You're so what happens is whenever you get paired with somebody if they're brand new or if they're ranked like if their ranking isn't 80, you have Everything to lose and nothing to gain. A win will score you a point. A point. A loss, you'll lose 20. So it's like, well, this isn't even worth it. I only want to play people that were, that are within like a hundred points of me because if I lose, I only lose a dozen. But if I win, I'll get seven or eight, right? Um, and th- those folks become harder and harder to come by. Um, it's not a terribly luck driven game, but eventually variance gets you and mm-hmm. you'll lose to somebody who's a 120 or somebody who's played it for years on the table. But they just happen to only be in their third game on BGA, so their ranking's are real low. They they manage to beat you, and poof, rating plummets. Uh, that said, it's a it's a phenomenal game. I, I love the competitive atmosphere. That you know, it reminds me of you know, like going to the Magic tournament and like you place value in whether or not you win or lose. And I like I really wanted to win when I played. And when I would lose, I would I wouldn't get like mad or or. or or upset, but, man, it was disappointing. It was deflating when you lose, like you got skin in the game. Uh, but I feel good. I, I think I peaked at uh, fourth. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty pleased with that. He didn't take I- losses well. Uh, really? I take losses gracefully, thank you. Not on BGA, though. Like, I have shouted obscenities upon losing to someone that I feel like I should have beaten. Oh, and especially in Magic. I swear I've broken laptops playing on uh, Magic Online. Anyway...
2: And off the got, magic Scott? talk. What you got, Scott? I'm going to delve into, well, it's a magic, uh, what I want to say here, uh, a adjacent? because they're both by, adjacent, yes, they're both owned by Watsy. So I got a chance to get together with a bunch of my fraternity brothers, and we played board games, not Euchre this time. Oh. So we sat down, and they, we were teaching a couple people how to play Lords of Waterdeep. Now this goes way back in the Wayback Machine and everything, but I look have at that D D tie in again.
0: Yeah, would, wouldn't wouldn't the obvious tie in yeah. be the Age of Thieves or Honor Among Thieves movie? Come on! Well, I was just jumping on board with your magic. We're eighty nine episodes in. I'm
2: incredibly disappointed. Anyway, by this. hey hey hey, this is my <laughs> game. Shut up! I've only played it once before. I played it the second time, and once again, this is one of those things I always talk about. There's those games that you play just to have fun. And this is one of those games. It's basically, I mean, if you wanted to reskin it, you could have like supermarket shuffle or something like that, where you're running up and down the aisles of the supermarket, picking out the different ingredients in order to make broccoli cheese soup. But instead, you're trying to make a spell to cast on somebody. Yeah, they really missed the mark. I'm sorry, it's dinner time around here. I'm a little hungry. (laughs) It still looks like rather daunting for someone to get into it. They're like, oh, I don't know if I want to play this because it looks like it's a little tougher than I'm used to, but it's not. And it's a great way to introduce more gamers into this little hobby here. Very thematic. It's a lot of fun. There is some take that in it, but it's not mm-hmm. like really brutal take that or anything. So instead of having your damn it moments, you might have a couple darn it moments. So, uh, but yeah. It was just a lovely time sitting down, playing that game, having a few laughs, and I got to get a copy of this game now.
0: It is a great intro to worker placement, not just to the hobby, but to worker placement. For someone who's not familiar, I know back in the day it was like, well, Stone Age is the the worker placement intro game. But I think Lords of Waterdeep's kind of taken that mantle. So in the game, you've got your workers that you're placing to various locations and you're trying to fulfill missions, which is as simple as recipes. Have this many guys of this type or this color. And in the game, they're they're thieves and rogues and wizards. And you assign them to a location to fulfill the mission card in
1: your hand. Why are you ignoring uh, the clerics? The poor clerics. What do they ever do to you? Screw the clerics. Wow. (laughs) You, You didn't say that when you had the syphilis. That's true excellent
0: game to uh, to get introduced to Worker Placement. One thing that I liked that it introduced was those buildings that you could purchase. That the mm-hmm. locations would be expanded throughout the game and in different ways from one game to the next. You know, you might have these buildings available this time and different ones available next time. Other people start using your building, they gotta pay you. So there's some interaction in the Worker Placement. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know what? It's one that I played forever ago. Handful of times and have just never gone back to it. I, I downloaded the app. I played it on my phone a couple times and it wasn't as good as some of my other apps so I, I haven't Is been back BTA? to it there.
1: Um, no, I don't think. I don't That's think. True. I know they've got a mobile app. I'm, I'm sure it's
0: on Yeah, simulator. It.
1: I, I like the game a lot. I think it's a lot yeah. of fun. It, there's two expansions. One of them adds a little... Uh, there's a Scoundrels or, scoundrels or Skullport. That adds, that adds a little more. Of the kind of take that and some corruption with negative points. And the other expansion... Called uh, what <laughs> the under mountain something with the, oh yeah with yeah, a yeah, yeah under mountain yeah that one adds a few more spots and I think that one's just fantastic and, and almost a must use I, it it's a really good game I really enjoy it I will always say yes to that. Well, if you're
0: listening, the day that this episode airs, we have a meetup in just a few days, March 25th. We're going to be at the Four Horsemen and Robinson. Teacher Ryan's actually coming in from New Jersey to join us. Will, unfortunately, is not. He's much further away. One of the best parts of a meetup is getting to play games that you don't have, getting a chance to try out something new. And usually somebody else is able and willing to teach it. Well, I was in between meeting some new faces and getting in uh, quick games with folks at our last meeting, and someone was setting up Long Shot the Dice Game, a 2022 game designed by Chris Handy and published by Perplexed Games. This is a roll and write for 1-8 players, and uh, our game in particular, which had 5, uh, felt like a great number. Uh, 5 player, that is. So let's set the stage here. We've got a board with 15 spaces and 8 horses, numbered 1-8, through eight, each with a colored wooden token and an image of the horse and rider, so you know that That's your track, right? The eight horses each have a a card below them available for purchase, granting a special ability. But more notably for game function, every horse card has numbers across the bottom one through eight. Some are pre filled with an X, which indicates that that when that horse moves, so do the ones marked off at the bottom. You guys good so far? So far, so so good. good. So far. Now as is standard for a roll and ride each player gets a sheet to fill out and there's going to be a few different things to be found on it and I'll get there in a second. Uh, plus you get 12 bucks to uh, to start the game. In a round the start player is going to roll two dice, uh, one of which is a d8 which is going to show which horse will move and the other one's a d6 that only has the numbers 1 through 3 on it and that shows how far the horse moves. You carry out the movement And then beginning with the active player and going around the table, everybody gets to take an action, and they are. So you can, like, purchase the horse of the number that was rolled, or you can bet on it. Uh, Buying can be expensive, but you'll get the ability on the horse card that you bought. Plus, if the horse wins the race, places, or shows, you stand to gain some big money at the end. You can visit concessions which is like a four-by-four grid on your chart that you can – it's in the top left of your card, and you just mark off the uh, the rolled numbers. Nothing difficult, but it gives you like a little mini-game where if you get a full row or a full column, you get to take a free bonus move listed below the concessions area. Oftentimes extra movement uh, or moving horses back, maybe a, a free bet, or even just seven bucks straight up. More More money wins the game, of course. The other couple of actions you can do are represented by a helmet and a jersey. Uh, Marking off the helmet space on a horse means that you can still bet on it after it crosses. You know how a lot of racing games, like there's that one marker that like once something crosses here, you can't Mm, bet on it anymore. That's a way that you can cheat that rule. Uh, Marking off the jersey means you can cross off the bottom of a horse card on any other horse. So like if the eight was rolled and you cross off the jersey, you can take the eight horse and check off the two at the bottom of it so that when the eight horse moves, The two will as well. Makes sense if you have the two horse and it's okay. The eight horse, anytime it moves, I want my two to move as well. The more you can spread Mm -hmm. that out amongst the numbers, the better. Play continues until three horses cross the finish line. Then you get to collect winnings from the bets that you placed and the high score wins the game. I say nay
1: to all that blather. (laughs) Keep it simple. Tell us what you like and what you didn't like.
0: All right. I'm usually not too keen on roll and write games because it kind of feels like you're playing bingo and everyone has pretty similar options. This is different. Uh, this is a betting game first. And roll and write is just the means by which you play the game. And what I mean is this. Uh, take that crossing off of a jersey action to add movement and then an- when another horse is rolled, right? Mm-hmm. You can bet on the four horse. And then you could spend the next couple of actions adding the four to the bottom of other numbers, which is going to make four move often. You could buy a horse card turn one and try and take advantage of its ability for the entire game. You can forego all that. You can just double and triple bid on the fast moving horse early. The point is, it's not a one trick pony. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, you've, you've got a few different ways that you can approach the game and each way feels like it can be successful. Uh, I love that it's tense. You're watching what moves each round. It feels exciting. There's multiple horse cards to change the abilities in each game and keep things fresh. Plus bonus points for a magnetized box. It's got one of those boxes uh-huh. with a little oh. magnet seal. Yeah, you know, I love that. What didn't we like? Uh, only one thing. It says 25 minutes on BGG, and I swear our game took an hour. Yes, what? there was learning involved. What? There was learning involved. This was at a meetup. Can I can't meet up. say what loud enough or incredulously enough? It may have been us. It may have been that there were four new players, but like one of the, one of the abilities that you can one time use when completing a row or column of the concessions grid is to move a horse back three spaces. Uh, another one will move a pair of horses back to each. In our play, the four horse was about to cross. Four didn't roll, and someone moved it back. And then it would get near the finish again, and someone would move it back. And then another horse would join them, and they both come up close, and somebody would move them both back. So maybe our game was an exception in that we were doing a whole lot of, like, get back here, you know, wrangling them back. All in all, though, guys, very fun game. I love racing games, and I think that, that I'm going to look to get a copy of this one for myself. I thought it was exceptional. That's
1: Long Shot, the dice game. That's really good, yeah. That yeah, I, I just learned it myself recently. And the, what you left out about it is what's great about this game is it's a great one to take somewhere you're having beverages because it's all dry erase. Just about that's it's true. Like the board or whatever, but yeah, we actually went out. There's this place out. If you ever came to visit, which you won't, because you know California is scary for you Pennsylvania people. <laughs> I know that has the greatest frozen. Market. Well, they're going to tax us for stepping foot in that state. Good. <laughs> we have sunshine <laughs> you're covered in snow um but the best frozen margaritas in the world and you can't even fight me on it because you're just wrong and we were joking oh it's good it's plastic and like two seconds later someone just <laughs> pff, knocked the whole oh. thing over you know frozen margaritas totally covering their player board completely oh it's fine it's totally fine you should just make them keep playing. Don't bother cleaning it up. Just stick your dry erase marker
0: down in the margarita that's on top of the board. And, yep, yep. Continue Feel to like play You made film. this bed.
1: <laughs> and now that board's tasty and drunk.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. I'm reaching out today with a cry for help. Every day, innocent podcast hosts go hours without being the center of attention. My ego. Your five-star rating on iTunes says that you care. I need to be important. Without your support, these nerds will be neglected, beaten, possibly die. I'm
2: so hungry.
0: Please, open your heart. Give that five-star rating on iTunes... Or rate them favorably on whatever platform you listen.
1: I think we got time for one more, Will. You said you had two. What else you got? All right, I'm going to try to keep keep it quick. So I mentioned Red Dragon in earlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. As a, and the best, one of the reasons why I like that particular game, it's just a, it really, truly, it's a very simple take that card game. But. There's all these different fantasy adventure characters that they have, and they all have incredible character with just a tiny little bit of fluff text that they have on each card. Very tongue-in-cheek, very funny little world. And they also have a deck builder, Battle for Greyport. Fantastic deck builder. But now they funded a dungeon crawler. We actually get to play these characters. And there is, my understanding, one copy in the world right now. It's on my table... Because and I, I backed this game because the president of Slugfest Games lives up in Oakland and I was on a stream for Red Dragon and with them. And I said, But I wanna play the game <laughs> Pretty much like that. And he agreed, he mailed it down to me. I just shot a video last night, and I'm just sending it off. So point is I have the Dungeon Crawl, and let me and now I'm doing the last the first boss fight tonight. It's like a twenty five chapter game. You know, okay, you Gloomhaven okay. you got what hundred and forty eight games to play to finish the story. Yeah, gone
0: are the days of you get four segments of game. Like you need a bunch in your dungeon
1: crawl yeah. or it So this one qualify. I believe is it's twenty-four or twenty-five, but it's broken down into chapters. So the end of the first chapter is a boss fight after the on the fourth the fourth game. It's a lighter one. You know, I, I rank it with like with Wander the Cult of Barnacle Bay, which is one of my favorites. It's very light, easy, not a ton of mechanics to learn. It's fantastic. Mm. And the story is really good. It's very funny, very, you know, again light, tongue-in-cheek. Like, one of the characters is Zot the Wizard with his familiar Pookie, which is very much not the rabbit from Holy Grail, because that would not be allowed. So it's very much not that rabbit from the Holy Grail. All
2: right. Understood. It's not that rabbit. Yeah.
1: Even though when you play uh, Red Dragon Inn, that you play that character, just the rabbit, he will sometimes bite people. And if they have too much alcohol content, the rabbit gets drunker. Wait a minute. Is this the rabbit from Holy Grail? It's absolutely not no, the rabbit no. from Holy Grail. Okay. Yeah. And, and any likenesses, I assume, are just purely coincidental. And, like, you roll the die at the beginning of every turn, and sometimes Pookie goes on a rampage, and he just runs around biting people. Like, it's just... <laughs> it is possibly brilliant. I haven't had a boss, boss fight yet, but it is already in my top ten dungeon crawls. I haven't even played wow. the whole game. Like, I'm redoing my list this summer, and this has kicked something off of the list. I could tell you, I'll tell you, it kicked quest off of the list already. Whoa. Right out. Right out. It's great. You can still get it on Late Pledge. If you like Dungeon Crawls, you got to check it out. It does some very cool stuff with shared dice, and it's great. I'm going to stop blathering about it because they ain't paying me.
0: Well, now, you can incorporate your character from Red Dragon. Is it like you finish a game of Red Dragon in and, like, you take your character and the items you've accumulated? and uh, well, like so you remember when you play Red Dragon Inn, you just have,
1: you have your own deck. Yeah, you know, okay. they're all, they're, each character's deck. So... Mm-hmm. The some of the stuff that you see when you play Red Dragon, and you then can incorporate like it's been incorporated into the dungeon crawl, like the you know in Red Dragon in like the character Fiona, you know she she's the redheaded fiery warrior, like you know she'll she'll talk about one of her cards like oh fighting I'm in, and then she hurts a bunch of people, like that's one of her cards also in the dungeon crawl, except when you play that card the dungeon crawl. She charges across the board and rolls a bunch of dice to punch people in the face. Nice. Yeah. So it's more a
0: callback to things that you've seen in the other games. Like they've incorporated the characters. It's not like a like I was going to say role player adventures. You could play role player, take the character that you've built in role player, and start a game of role player adventures using that character. I understand this is not that. This is more like you're going to be familiar with the places, the setting, the people. You yeah, don't understand the, the, why the they're doing what they're doing. They all
1: have intense personalities. Which okay, bro- are, are absolutely brought through in this game. So my wife's favorite is Gog the Ogre. And when you play Gog the Ogre, he's a bar- barbarian of course. Mm-hmm. He has very long red braids, he's very cute. Sexy. But he ve- well, very here, yeah, you know, I'll just uh, Tasty. There you go. Oh, look at that. You Wills know. holding up the card. I hope yeah, everybody just, just, could just, hear that. Yeah, but just those relative. But so Gog's thing when you play him in Red Dragon Inn, he's very nice. He loves everybody. But he always hurts people. So in Red Dragon Inn, If your alcohol score and your fortitude score ever meet, you pass out and get thrown out of the pub. That's how that works. Okay. Well, like he has a card, he'll make everybody lose three fortitude, but the card is Gog Hug. And it's just Gog squeezing everybody really tight and that everyone loses three fortitude. Or Gog loves (laughs) everyone. (laughs) Like, you can't beat these characters and the writing is fantastic. I am so amazed. Like, I would have bought the game no matter what. And so I am just amazed by how good Tales from the Red Dragon and is it is fantastic sounds fun well yeah,
2: i've cool. added it on my list here to look into yeah it's so good
0: oh, i love that guy <laughs>
2: Uh, uh, no, 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 All right, not give him hope
0: Let's do this, top 100 debuts Troyes, or Twa is back in the top 100 At number 100 Top 10 trends, we mentioned last time Brass Birmingham is up to number 1 Gloomhaven uh, down to number 3 Actually, as Pandemic Legacy holds on to that number 2 spot mm. War of the Rings, 2nd edition at number 8 Star Wars Rebellion at number 9 New highest peaks And we've got a bunch of these Brass Birmingham is at number 1 War of the okay. Ring at number 8 The Crew, Mission Deep Sea, is higher than it's ever been at number 35. Second edition of Great Western Trails up to 41. Cascadia at 48. Pandemic Legacy Season Zero at 52. Sleeping Gods at 61. Kanban Ev at 63. Grand Austria Hotel up to number 70. Cthulhu Death May Die at 81. Ah. Beyond the Sun Beyond the Sun at number 88. There you go obsession at number 89 and the search oh, yes, for planet oh,
1: oh, x in marriage? And-,
0: <laughs> and the search for planet x at number 96
1: where is it i don't know
0: let's get on to the review we're gonna talk cora rise of an empire i can't stand you guys <laughs> Designed by Headquarters Simulation Game Club and published in 2022 by Yellow, Korra is a game in which players oversee a burgeoning city-state in ancient Greece. Players earn points through the actions they take, exploration, and card play, and at the end of nine rounds, the player with the high score wins the game. So let's set the table here. Each player gets a player board with three tracks on it, Economy, Culture, and Military. The main board depicts four more tracks plus a ton of tokens in three different colors off to the right, which are acquired through militaristic exploration. An event deck is set up, from which one card will be revealed each turn. Then, each player is dealt five cards. These are typically one-shot uses, ongoing effects, or endgame points, one of those three different types, and players are going to draft these cards to form their starting hand of five. Now each player gets a player board, a unique civilization, 2 dice, and 7 action cards numbered 0 through 6, which are sort of the primary focus of the game. You see, to begin a round, each player rolls their 2 dice and they allocate them to which action cards they want to use. A roll of a 3, for example, can be used to activate your action card number 3, 2, 1, or 0. A roll of 1, however, can only activate actions 1 or 0. Don't worry though, one of the actions allows you to move up the population track on the main board, and using population allows you to increase the result of a die. So you have a lot of flexibility even if you don't roll exactly what you're hoping for. The actions typically allow for moving up tracks on the main board, playing an action card, scoring some points, drawing new action cards, or further developing your sieve. After all, dice have been allocated. Players will carry out their actions doing basically what they say. Typically, this means moving up some tracks on the main board or maybe playing a card from your hand, those things I just mentioned. I should note a few things though. First off, the military action allows a player to increase their marker on the troops track, indicating the size of their army. After that increase, the player can then explore. This is all those tokens that are off to the right of the main board that we place at setup. You see, each token indicates a number of troops that you need to take it, and then the amount of troops that you're going to lose in the process. And as a reward, you get the token, and sometimes you get some points or some coin, or both. Now these tokens serve a second purpose, and that is that they count as a prerequisite for some of the card play or advancing your civilization. See, they come in three colors as mentioned, and you might have a card in your hand that requires that you have a blue token and a red, for example. Also some of the tokens that cost more to explore, they have like olive branches on them, They provide endgame scoring according to how far you've advanced on the glory track. At the end of a round, players may pay coin to advance on a track on their personal board, typically providing for better actions later on. The event's resolved, and then a new round begins with a new event card reveal. After nine rounds, the high score wins the game. Now there's certainly a lot of detail that I didn't go over in this walkthrough. There's a ton of interconnectivity between the actions you select, the tracks on your personal board, and where you stand on the four tracks of the main board. Further, the deck of cards that you draw from to play is really big and it offers some strategy-shaping abilities. All said though, I hope this walkthrough gives you a general sense of how is gonna play when it hits your table. How did we feel about it while it was on ours? Let's find out in the 8-bit breakdown of Korra, Rise of an Empire. I uh, guess I don't really have anything good for a flavor read here, so enjoy a retro hit from Hot Chocolate. gentlemen it's that time we're gonna do the 8-bit breakdown for Korra Rise of an Empire Adventures as you know we like to break down our review games into 8 bits starting with bit number one all the way down to number eight was it fun and who's it for let's start here guys art and components I'll jump in he's fine you know it's fun the
1: the cards look nice I don't really think about them much you know the board is a big old spreadsheet
0: yeah basically, uh what you got four tracks in the middle, and then you've got a whole bunch of crap on the side. all those little tokens for the uh the mm-hmm. place that you can explore and conquer across three colors, whole bunches of them. It's actually kind of a bear to well, it's not a bear to set up, but it is kind of a pain in the butt to say a token token token, yeah, if, token if no token. one
1: there is willing to be be helpful, it's a pain in the butt,
0: yeah, yeah. I think it's a pretty standard game as far as art and components go. Uh, I like the overlay for the Civilization. So whenever you pick a sieve in this game, there's those eight cards. They're cardboard. They're not cards like a, uh, like a playing card. They are large tiles, and there's a slot on your player board. You get this big player board, dual-layer cardboard thing, and you just take that sieve and you pop it right into that inset slot. I like that. I thought that was really nice. You have dual-layer advancement boards uh, for each player, which is, uh, honestly, now it's more like the standard, like where you can move up for your culture, your taxes, uh, your military strength, that sort of thing. That's all dual-layered. And I don't think that that's like, oh, right home. Nobody's gaining points for that anymore. You're just losing points if you don't do that, huh?
2: It seems that way, yes. Um, got some decent, yeah, art,
0: I- decent art on all the cards that you can draft?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much with you both on this. I mean... There's not much art in the game, but what there is, it is nice art. It's bright. I find it interesting and kind of builds on what le- action you do that's on the card. The components are mainly coin size, markers. I mean, they're um, coins. Yeah. Uh, the player boards, like you said, they're great having the insets on there and everything. And the game board, it's functional, but it's just kind of boring and it's funny because I didn't talk to you at all, Will, and typing up my eight bits here and everything going through it. One of the things I kept going back to is it reminds me of spreadsheet. Yeah. So it and that's that's what it is there. So it definitely is a spreadsheet type of game there.
0: They really um, could have used some artwork on that main board.
2: Yeah, I I, I think so. I think so.
0: I will give them credit. They have uh, the dice are in the player colors, but the downside, I thought that the blue and the pale green colors, they were really, really close. Mm. I didn't like that. Also, the tax symbol and the coin symbol. The tax symbol is the owl. The coin symbol is the owl with a circle around it. And I have not played a game of Korra yet where somebody hasn't been like, oh, wait, I get to bump up taxes, right? No, you get coins. Oh, I get coins now, right? No, you bump up taxes. No, you mm-hmm. idiot. It didn't have a circle around the owl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it happens every game. I, I still find myself going, wait a minute. Which one's, which one's which? Uh, that being said, overall, I think let's factor in here. And, you know, value is a thing, right? This isn't, this isn't tainted grill, All right. This isn't nemesis. Yeah. This is a game that can be found for good. like, thir- <laughs> this is a game that can be found for like 35 bucks. Right, maybe forty bucks. Again, uh, you know, if you look, if you're getting it used, you could probably get it for twenty five. And I think that for the price, the components are just fine. Mm-hmm. Bit number two, theme and immersion. We're going on uh, v- very little to work with here, guys. We got uh, Civilization, uh, kind of. Kind of civilization theme going on. What'd you think?
1: Well, I mean, if you look at the back of your civilization cards, it gives you, you know, tells you about your civilization a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let's not forget that the Spartans loved spreadsheets. <laughs> yes. Anywho,
0: uh, you get those cards that you draft at the beginning, right? You've got some you got some decent art on there that evokes a little bit of the theme. Uh, what the cards say. Makes sense. Like the bank card, obviously helps your finances. Uh, they, they get a little bit uh, evocative of the theme there, but honestly, guys, this is this is just a mechanism forward game. Even if you came to the game for the somewhat generic sub-building veneer, it is so thin that I don't think you're coming back to it based on the theme alone.
1: Like how thin? Are we talking like King Scott's favorite underwear thin? Hmm. Been worn one too many times.
0: Now there's there's just not a whole lot that's like. There's there's no storytelling here, and and you don't really feel like you're advancing aside from that your actions become a little bit more powerful based on how high you've moved up tracks, and it's really hard to make a track feel thematic in a board game.
2: It's not saying it's a bad game, but it's just that it's very light
0: on the theme and the immersion on this game. Yeah, let's go then to bit number three: the complexity. You've got seven cards choose from each turn. Uh, and only a couple of dice that you're going to be allocating to them. Basically, I think the complexity is going to lie simply in understanding what each of those seven cards do, and from there on, you're up and running. Once you understand what those seven actions are, you're good to go. The events are easy to understand, easy to resolve. Conquering is simple math. Uh, playing cards just requires some prerequisite mm-hmm. symbols. Basically, there's a lot of gamey elements that I think a lot of gamers are going to have some familiarity with. That's going to make this pretty easy to break out with most groups. With one exception being, uh, the, the game does start with drafting cards, which oftentimes if I'm teaching, I'm just here, take six cards, discard one, you know, which, or take five cards, just dole out the five, right? I don't always love. Okay. You just learned how to play here pick one card and pass the rest. That's awfully dit de- low. Oh, wait a minute. I I haven't even played a, a round yet and you're going to have me make these these big game altering decisions cuz you know that 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 is a little bit deeper. Aside from that draft, pretty easy to, to get into this one.
1: Yeah, for anybody who play, plays games, it's it's a very very easy to learn, very easy to figure out and play.
2: I feel this is becoming like a mantra for me in that This game is not as complex as the decisions you have to make off.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, What's usually a good thing? Pretty straightforward. Easy to to dive in, difficult to to do well. They're pretty straightforward to learn the rules, but you need to control your decisions, make a sharp turn to regain your path to victory, or stick to your course and let your cards fall where they may. So Mm -hmm. basically, if you don't stick to your game plan, it's a very unforgiving game that. You're not going to be able to change your course mid-game and decide to play a different idea there. By that time, everyone else is pretty much stuck to their game plan, and you're just going to be running for not being last.
0: Guys, let's talk bit number four, the rulebook and the learning curve. I just say the rulebook's excellent. Uh, it helps that this isn't the most complex game in the world, but you've got a nice thorough rulebook that outlines each of the actions with plenty of detail. And I feel like any time that I've needed to reference it for anything, the answers were always pretty easy to find. Well, I know you had your head in the rulebook for this one,
1: too. I, I got this off your recommendation. What would you think of the rulebook? You know, it's been a while since I, I looked at it because I could just—I haven't played in, I don't know, probably a month or two—and I could just throw it down and just jump right in. It's very easy to to keep in your head, but it was not hard to learn whatsoever from the, the rule book uh, for me. And what's the other part of this bit? It's rule book and what?
0: <laughs> well, how about the learning curve? Then I'll ask you that one. You know, is this going to be one that's easy to pick up and play for
1: a, for a new player? Yeah, I think so. Now you're probably going to lose if the other person's played. You know, several Mm -hmm. times before that there are there are some tricks of the the trade. And one of them I'm going to bring up when we get to, you know, the the downsides is that the biggest one is you always have to have troops pretty much. It's almost all of those Mm -hmm. events need troops, not all of Mm -hmm. them, but I don't know what, 65 percent of them, maybe. And so the first time player doesn't necessarily realize that. And then suddenly they find themselves losing those events over and over and over again. But overall, it's not... You play once and then you now know how it works and you can start formulating strategies. So it's very, very easy to pick up.
2: Well, I did learn it from you, Patrick. And yeah, it was easy to pick up and learn it. And then I borrowed it uh, a couple weeks ago to take a look at it to get prepared for this. And looking through the rule book, I completely agree with you that it is laid out very well. Lots of examples in there, lots of pictures and everything. So... It does help rehash the the rules in your mind and get into playing it rather quickly.
0: Well let's move right into the meat of the game then, guys. We we know at this point that this is going up tracks, but I'm sure in my plays that the cards that you take at that opening draft, they matter a lot. Uh allocation of dice That matters, of course. Unlocking the third die in that middle track seems really important, which is done specifically on on the culture track. So I'm wondering, honestly, I'm wondering if in future plays it's going to show that like that's a needed strategy. Get that third die because even if you want to lean military or you want to lean economy, this culture track gives you the die, and that's more important. I don't know that yet, but you know, I, I feel like it's very important.
1: Um, I think it's, some... it, it's the easier, the simpler path. Because I, I have lost to somebody who didn't unlock it until very late in the game. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a strategy that's, okay, this is an easier play. But it, it definitely can be done if you go go down or go up other paths, I should say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I got to agree with what you had
2: said earlier, Will. I feel that the military tracks are a big part of this because those you definitely need those to help you out if you aren't doing anything with the military you're gonna get sent packing almost immediately whenever it's like boom you need troops for this and you aren't prepared for it you're done so it's very important to allocate play this game try and balance your resources very very closely
0: there's a bit to be said about the order of operations with those seven uh, actions that you have to choose from. When you roll those dice and you're picking what you're going to carry out in any given turn, mm-hmm. that might be the meatiest, chunkiest portion of the game. Uh, not just like, and because you can use population to modify the die roll, like there's true genuine mitigation of dice. Oftentimes mitigation of a uh, of something that's random usually means, well, you're paying for it in another way. Paying population didn't feel like I'm missing out on other good things because I'm losing my population. It doesn't but matter.
1: People you were sacrificing. sure But like that's the what they're now. there Why? for.
0: That's what they're there for. The point is if you're, if you're not the first to hit 12 and score the point on that track, well, then it doesn't matter where you're at. You can be at two. You don't care. So it doesn't matter that you have to modify your dice. Therefore, you've got an awful lot to think about when you're allocating the dice to the action tiles at the start of each round and deciding, what actions am I going to take? There's a lot of meat there. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so it seems like you said that. Again, this is something I'll bring up later. On the other side of that, it is a really bad feeling if you keep rolling low, turn after turn, and other people rolling fives and sixes because they have so many more options. It's so much so that when I play now... So the very first event is basically a mitigation of crappy roll. It's like if You roll you're four nice or less, game, right. you get yeah. to re-roll. If they add up to four or less, you get a philosophy token or whatever it's called. And we just leave that in play the whole game. Because later on, it's just such a bummer. And if you do roll low the whole game, no matter how many of those citizens you sacrifice into the fiery pits of the Pennsylvania winter... Very fiery snow we have. You will not win. Which can be a real bummer, no matter how good you are. You're just, you know, I love dice games, but when but see, you're, I, I, you're, I feel you're like if you left dice, that in,
0: yeah.
1: I feel like if you left that in the entire
0: game, then that takes away the incentive to ever, well, I think it's the, the one or the two tile, that whenever you allocate to it, you get to bump your population by three. If you Left that event in the whole game, I feel like I would never add to my population. That, like that's the that's the incentive is to have some. You're right. If you're rolling a one and a two on your dice for five rounds in a row, you're screwed anyway. But let's hope that variance smiles upon you and that doesn't happen. Well. You know, you get closer well, the, to, the to thing average. What with
1: with that event is, it's a catastrophically bad roll that it covers for. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it, it, a it's a, point. it's a catastrophic one. Um, also, uh, my wife was like really unhappy cause she kept rolling poorly. She's like this, the, it then always happens in. to the spouse. <laughs> oh, well, she's okay when it happens to me. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, let's be clear. It ha that kind of stuff happens to me all the time. Uh, when, when there's games that, that, that there are to play, where if you are rolling low is good, people are like, let's get well. We've got five targets to shoot
0: for. Be the first person to get to 12 population, the first person to play three cards, the first person to have so many conquerors. Those five different triggers, the uh, first to 10 points is another one, for example. And when someone does that, they put their marker on the board and they can either bump up their tax track or they can bump up their glory track. One on either one. Glory is going to end up with endgame points and the tax track, of course, is going to boost your economy. But there's only five of them to go around the table. And for a game that doesn't have a whole heck of a lot of interaction, that is one racing point that I think we could also include in the meat of the game. Because if you're in a three-player game and one person comes away with three of those, man, it's going to be really hard to beat them.
1: Well, it's interesting. There's also a little bit of, as you're playing, it's, okay, well, I, I see Patrick is racing up the citizen track. Okay. I'll chase after something, or I can try to fight you for it because there mm-hmm. is the extra benefit if you are the only one to get it. You have the choice of two things, but if multiple people get there the same turn, you have to pick uh you got to pick one or the other, right? Yeah, I, I can't remember what it's taxes or glory, prestige or whatever that you get. Glory.
0: Yeah, it's the the glory track that gives you the multiplier for uh for the 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 conquests on the places that have those those olive branches on them. Mm, yes. Guys, let's talk replayability and variability. Bit number seven, we've got something like seven or eight sieves in this box. We've got variable events, although, as you pointed out, Will, they almost always seem to care about military strength more than anything got that big old deck of cards to shake things up that you're gonna be drafting and drawing from. To me, this was an asymmetric game, but not what I would consider highly asymmetric. I think the differing civilizations more so steer you in a direction as opposed to give you wildly different abilities. What do you guys think? Replayability, variability of Korra?
1: Will I think it's it, it's solidly replayable. I, I've replayed it a few times, it's still on my shelf. But it's this is a weird thing to say as a board game, pod, but as a board game podcast. But it's just a game. Like it's a game that I will play on occasion. But I'm not going to play it six times in a row. I'll bring it out. I'll play it. And because of the, the nature of the dice and the different civilizations that you can be and the different cards that you're going to draw, it's a fun game. That's quick. It's easy to learn. Easy to play. I enjoy it. And then I'll put it away and bring it back out. So, Different enough to keep you coming back, yeah. But it's, but if I was playing it every day or every week or even you know every month, I think it would start to feel repetitive, Scott. Yeah, I think that's
2: something there that's it kind of reframes my thoughts on this a little bit because I'm so busy thinking like uh, whenever we're talking about these games, something that I'm gonna play and I want to play it again and I want to play it again, and oh my god, I love this game, I want to play it some more. Yeah. But yeah, you have to stop and think that yes, you're gonna play the game. But it's not one that you're going to want to play, like, every single day. It's good for playing it, putting it on the shelf for a couple months, then get it back down and revisit it, something like that. You do have some variability with it, with the different civilizations and everything. But mm-hmm. it's nothing that's going to drastically change every time you play it. Right. So this right. is one of those ones that you want to try and play and get good at not really have an experience of playing
0: all right guys let's do bit number seven the downsides of cora i'll lead this one off because i have to wonder how linear the game is uh that being that while we have a ton of options on each turn it feels like unlocking like i said earlier unlocking the third die could be super important which means getting some early money uh that can be vital and uh, then again that's just my observation after like a half dozen plays Uh, If you're the type of gamer that wants some story, some theme, you're probably not going to be impressed here. I I thought, honestly, it was hardly a civilization game. You know, if someone called this a game of advancement tracks, eh, they'd be wrong, but they wouldn't be that far off. Finally, I think it's a game that's going to be rewarding for experienced players. Uh, Make multiple plays a must. So, like, when games introduce drafting card play and the way that Cora does uh, as the main ways to shake up the game, that adds a tremendous amount of planning and skill, which means a new guy is going to have a really hard time with the missteps they have in their first play. And for the game to keep getting back to the table, it's got to be fun. Yeah, Um,
2: Like I said before, this really has, like, the visual draw of an Excel spreadsheet. I do Well, but with some highlighted cells, okay? Uh, Hey, hey, hey. And don't, don't mess up without the calculations there. Oh, oh, oh. oh, wow. Yeah, I was an accountant. I do love spreadsheets, but not whenever I'm trying to just relax and have fun. So it seemed more of like a work type of thing here that I was doing to play this game. It wasn't really fun for me. It was more of like, I need to do good. I need to do this, move this if there was something like more artwork on the table that would take me out of just like keeping me numbers into certain things,
1: I think it would really make it a lot, lot better game.
0: Okay. So any downsides?
1: Well, yeah, well, I already mentioned the, I I really wish there was some more variety of the event cards. I wish there were some event cards that were based like on the taxes track or based on the glory track or on Mm -hmm. some variety there that that's really the, the big one for me. And then the other one is, the catastrophic bad rolls. If it happens mid late game, it just it's just a bad feeling, and so I'm not thinking of that that particularly. And as you said, there's there's no theme. This is this is like tapestry light when we're mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. theme. Yeah, you know, we're just we're dancing up some tracks and rolling some dice, and and it's about the. Kind of the, the, the satisfaction and intellectual, like, ah, I have outspreadsheets you, Patrick, again. <laughs> where, where
0: Tapestry has the buildings and the miniatures and the map in the middle and the pillars and the art, yes. this doesn't. Yeah, Right. And this is a much simpler game, too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk, was it fun, and who's it for? Bit number eight,
1: then, guys. Will, you take the floor. All right. So, it's fun. I you know I crapped on it a little bit. Like I have issues with the game, but I really like this game. I really enjoy playing it. And I think people who like playing fun things will like this game. But uh, I think that the the people who like euro games and they like them for the mechanics. They like them for the satisfaction they have from mastery of the game, mm-hmm. solving those little puzzles and at the same time like the Solving puzzles based on some randomness that you get. Here's my situation. These are my dice. How can I maximize my situation? That's who it's for. I think the eight or whatever different civilizations gives you enough. I mean, cause you're always going to want to get to the top of those tracks for the civilizations. The, the, Regardless. yeah. Yeah. You always want to get up there. Yeah. But the different bonuses that they give, uh, I really, it, it, it's a keeper for me. Like I said, I even upgraded my coins. Ooh, fancy. (laughs) I couldn't find the official metal core coins, but I got some other coins that are metal.
0: Scott, it sounds like you're down on this one.
1: Well, not completely.
2: It was fun. I did enjoy my time playing this. I'd like to play it a few more times, as it's a type of game I enjoy with keeping track of the resources and everything. But that being said, after about six plays, I think I had my fill. That's, Mm -hmm. That's about it. Who's it for? I like to think with the price point of this game, that this is good game for someone who is new to board gaming and doesn't have a lot of different types of games under their belt. This is a nice one to expand their catalog to a few more mechanics to open them up to playing more different type of games, more complicated games in the future, because it will introduce some of those mechanics and really let them broaden their, their ideas on things.
0: Okay, okay i want to say that I like Korra. I don't love it, but I do like it. This one came from Will. You recommended it a few months back, and I'm, I'm glad that you told me to give it a go. Uh, it's probably going to stay in the collection. It's not flashy, but it's not trying to be. It doesn't have the depth of through the ages or the table presence of mosaic. That's not what this is trying to do. It's a board game. With dice allocation and card play as its two primary mechanisms that squeezes a game out in about an hour. And I think it does a very good job of it. Who's it for? It's mechanical. Uh, it's calculating your best place during your turn and planning for the following turn. It's fun in that regard. Uh, if you can enjoy games for their gameplay without the need for the story, the heavy implementation of theme, kind of like a, this is like a modern implementation of a classic Euro game. If that's your jam, I think you're going to like Korra.
1: You know, apparently we are just around the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. Which means it's time for some timey-wiminess. Or as Patrick would call it a... Time Warp!
0: Okay, we're going to see how this one goes. Guys, we're looking back today at Nemesis and Nemesis Lockdown. And Will, I heard you make a comment when I... Yeah, okay, that's where I thought you were going with this. So when we have a guest on for a look-back segment, the, the floor belongs to the guest. You're not a fan?
1: So I'm not not a fan, but uh, it's not my favorite. So the biggest difference between, I think, Patrick and I is Patrick likes co-opetition games.
0: Yes. And, okay, yeah. Co-opetition.
1: That's, that's good. I really don't. And the whole Nemesis vibe of well, co-opetition, it just doesn't do it for me. Also, I don't love Alien and Aliens. Like, I, oh. sure. But I don't particularly care about that IP and I know technically, like Pookie is not Lini Python. my oh, Pookie's the, the rabbit
0: from the Holy Grail, right?
1: No, no, absolutely not. Just oh, like boy, he's you're not so anything like that. Nemesis is nothing like Alien. I understand mm-hmm. that. However, those two words are next to each other in my brain for some reason. You know, it's fine. I, I found lockdown and Scott and Scott and I are very different on this. I found lockdown more interesting playing it, it co-op. Though mm-hmm. it was very unsatisfying when I locked myself in the closet and then they nuked us from from space. <laughs> they didn't trust you anyway. Yeah, which is kind of funny. You know, here I am like hi- hiding in a broom closet, drinking Drano or something, and I get blown up. But. <laughs> I mean, that said, if you like co-opetition, it does it very, very well. I mean, there, there's a lot of bits and things you're putting out there, and it's grossly overproduced with 50 million miniatures and all that. As I have a whole shelf next to me of dungeon crawls, but yes, those grossly overproduced miniatures are awesome. Yeah, yeah, you should get them painted, Scott. Paint his minis. I did That's the
0: wash. Good. I washed them, so they all have like really neat detail. Probably means I can't
1: ever resell it because people be like, well, these things look like hell, but I like them. Yeah, as long as you have Scott to keep playing with. But anyhow, I recognize the game for what it is and why people like it. It just does not do it for me. That said, if you guys wanted to play it at Origins late at night, I would do it. I'd probably moan and groan the whole time, but it would be good-natured moaning and groaning. I would bring some sort of beverage.
0: (laughs) Drano. You can drink it in the closet. (laughs) <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Nemesis is a, what Will calls, a cooperative game. It's a it's a cooperative it game, right. where you have the potential to backstab and have hidden traitors. You all have secret agendas, a personal agenda and a corporate agenda that might have you trying to do different things, sometimes encouraging you to actively work against another player. I.e., if Will's player number three, I might draw my two cards. One of them says I can collect seven items and get off the ship. The other one says... I can win simply by making sure that player number three does not survive, right? So it, that's that's where the, the backstabbiness comes in. All the while you have this tense like, oh, geez, where are the aliens going to spawn? They're hard to kill. You got to make sure that the ship's going back home. There's a lot going on in this game, but it is universally loved. It's a top 20. Looking back on it, man, I love both Nemesis and Lockdown. I actually, Scott, just this past week, I was at my brother's house at the uh, well, two weeks ago at the cabin. Nemesis was one of the ones that we got to the table and uh, really? actually managed to share a win with Mike in that one. But every time, every time, it tells the story. I got out. I got in the escape pod, right? I made sure I put a malfunction in the room next to me before going, so it'd be like that much harder for the guys to to get over there. There was noise all around it. By the time I get out, I was like, you know what? This is the only other escape pod. If Mike comes this way, he's gonna have a real hard time getting out. And there's we played with Carnomorphs, so the Carnomorph aliens oh, yeah. like. They consume each other, and they get more powerful, and they consume the the corpses throughout the rooms, and they get more powerful. Uh, it's just a, a little twist on how the baddies interact with you. A lot of fun. I'm always happy to play. I will say there are some games where it can go a little long, and there are usually games. Uh, 50-50, half the time I play, if you're doing a four- or five-player game, one person just gets screwed. <laughs> everything is going to go wrong for them. And and it can happen. You know that going in, you have fun with that. I don't think it's going to bother you. But know that it's there. For me, winner through and through. Scott, you like one and not the other. Is that still the case?
2: It's still the case. I will not play Lockdown. If it comes to the table, I will just graciously tip my hat and say, Cheerio, fellows, and walk out (laughs) the door. Um, But I'm more of a person that is... I had to play a game where it's alien on the spaceship or aliens on the base. I would do the spaceship. It's more fun. It's more claustrophobic to me. There's just something about that setting that I enjoy so much more. Uh, I hated the idea of the elevator and then getting stuck. And just like you said, you enjoy it so much. I don't. Whenever you have that whole thing where someone's going to, like, end up having the fun sucked out of the game for them, and it's just going to happen, that's not a game I really want to introduce myself into trying to play. <laughs> Fair um, enough. It's, it's, uh, we just had it this past weekend. Uh, we sat down with some of my fraternity brothers. We had a board game weekend, and we sat down. We're all excited. There's three of us that are excited. We're going to play Scythe. We had three others that had never played before, <sighs> and those three that never played before, they just basically said an hour into it, they're like, uh, can we just call Mercy and die? So we no. packed it all up and put it away. Because no. it was just one of those things, it was not fun for everybody there. To
1: and come and reframe when playing games with Scott.
0: we just all <laughs> pack it up
1: and die? Scott, I'm, I'm a fun if, sucker there.
0: What if we had the opportunity to do Lockdown as a, or, or regular Nemesis, as a co-op? Because it has co-op modes, and I've done the co-op with Mike a handful of times, and it's Really, really fun. It retains all the tension. It just removes the idea that the other person might be trying to abandon you.
1: Yeah, that that is that is really the the, the hard thing with that because the game, the do it co op, it's so challenging to win, mm-hmm. and then to be like Scott would never backstab somebody, but then to watch Patrick stab Scott in the back yet again is sad. <laughs> um I
2: I think that's something there. Yeah, I think that's one of those games that I I would be interested in playing in co-op. I I would definitely give it a try because that game really hurts itself whenever you're playing against the game, which is hard already, and Mm -hmm. then against the other players that are also making it even more difficult Mm -hmm. for you. And it's just kind of like, well... What's the point? It, it, it's just not one of those things that's just really fun for me. That, but that's and my personal opinion. Sometimes they're not actually working against you.
1: You just think they're working against you. <laughs> and it's a very vicious cycle. And so yes, now, yes. if the people who are listening, if you're like, that sounds so exciting, like to think that Patrick's working against you, but he's actually trying to help you, but you think he's helping you, is trying to hurt you, and you're like, yes, we've described the game for you.
0: You know what I think you know what I think is appealing to me? And this I, I've I've said before, Twilight Imperium is my favorite game. Uh, and one of the things that sucks me into Twilight Imperium is the fact that there is a game above the table, uh, an interaction with the other players. Um in Twilight Imperium it's it's wheeling and dealing and it's uh, it's it's using promissory notes and trading back and forth, negotiating, voting in oh the agenda God. phase. Promissory notes? Yeah. So normally you make a deal and the deal is non-binding they have a means of putting in binding deals don't laugh it's a, it's it's fun will okay uh we if you want to be the guest host in place of will for the next episode uh please hit us up at levelupgamepodcast.com <laughs> oh my god
1: a promissory note like do you have to get like notarized do you have to have a notary there with you
0: I think what I like about the game is that there is a game above the table. Nemesis does that. It's different. the The difference being that it's it's uh you start to get worried. You now it's paranoia. It's a little bit of paranoia. It's a it's a questioning. It's 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 blackmail. Right. It's trying to, do I trust them? You know what I mean? And, and that, will, whenever your heart, that that puts your heart into the game, along with your brain. You get your heart sucked in. To me, that's what gets me, gets me real. Like, you guys can hear it. I mean, you guys can see me. I'm talking with my hands all crazy. I'm just thinking about he it. He wants to it.
1: suck out our hearts, Scott. Is what yes. I mean. Yeah, I know. Yes. Um, I'm questioning me, this future th- here. Yeah, that's and the- toss our bodies into the cold expanse of space. That's the big draw of Nemesis, is that you've got a game above the table
0: that is equally engaging and thrilling. So one year later, are we recommending Nemesis and or Nemesis Lockdown for me? Yes, Slam Dunk, both of them. If you're coming to one of our meetups, I'd be delighted to teach you. I think you're going to have a fantastic time. Now, listen to these two be wrong.
2: Scott? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would definitely play Nemesis just about any time. I enjoy that. Nemesis Lockdown, it just gets right plunked right in there with Agricola of games that I will gladly tip my hat and show myself to the door.
1: Well, So, I think through all of our Teradiddle we've been spouting, if you've parsed that... We've given a pretty good vibe of what the game is like, and I think if that's attractive to you, if you're looking for that crisis management style game, you know, which is the co-op version, and yeah. you like the theme and the the not IP. Why am I doing air quotes? So, I'm waiting to see my air quotes. <laughs> if you you know you like the not IP and the crisis management thing as a co-op game, absolutely jump in. And if you like that traitor. The the maybe trader that's the thing it's maybe there's a trader in there maybe there's someone working against you then absolutely jump in I would be happy to play it with the right people mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people I would never want to play that game with let's play it origins you know what if you if you bring your painted copy we will do it put it that's put right it in me. the war wagon.
0: Well, gentlemen, we got time for one more little segment. You didn't think I was going to have both of you on and not give you guys an opportunity to go head-to-head in a little game. Okay. (laughs) Guys, we're going to play the opposite game. The clue that I'm going to give is the opposite, typically, of the game title adventures you can play along in your car and see if you can beat Dung Merchant Will Brown and King Scott. Guys, I'll give Uh, you an example. Lord
1: High Chief Dung Collector, get it right. I'm right here, Patrick. I'm right here.
0: Guys, I'll give you a quick example. The game. Uh, name the game that I'm thinking of. This is the opposite game. Ready? First boy. Final girl. Scott got it on final girl. Bingo. So that's what we're looking for. We're going to do 15. All right, guys. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the clue. I'm going to give you about five, six seconds. And if nobody dings in, then we're just going to forego it and go on to the next one. Are we ready? I'm ready.
2: Bring Num-
0: it. Number one. Best friend, starting you off on a toughie. Best friend. Little clue, we
1: just talked about it.
0: Okay, okay, number two, number two. A lack of food for Zeus. Scott! Feast for Odin
1: feast for Odin well done number three insufficient bones well too many bones number four got him on the board <laughs> <laughs> wide
0: awake mortals
1: oh that's uh, that's both
0: that is so both you both digged at the same time I gotta give it to the guest sleeping gods Well done, Will, well done. Give me a half point. Half point, if we talk. Half point, okay, yeah, it was, okay, fair enough. Number five, apathy or a general disinterest. Apathy or a general disinterest? This one's tricky. Scott, taking a stab at it? Obsession. It is obsession, well done, amazing. Wow, I, I was like, that one's not gonna happen. Number 6 outish,
1: inish. in In-ish. Well done. Oh, well, come oh, on. Done. That's amazing. <laughs> that is not opposite. That is just ridiculous wordplay. You are above what, that. Patrick. What would be the opposite of in-ish, uh, Mr. Hungry It'll Gamer? a different game. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, it, it, the, the in-ish is not about going in. It's not like an innie and an outie. It's not like a belly button. Number seven. Several.
0: Will. Just one? Yes, just Uh-oh. one. It's working, this is amazing. I can't believe you guys are getting these. Number eight. That's really stupid.
1: That's so clever.
0: Wow, number nine. Peace in the new land.
1: Oh, oh. King Scott. Oh. Chaos in the old world. Oh. So mad, I had that. Second <laughs> after Scott. All right, guys, we got Scott leading
0: right now, four to three and a half. But we got six to go. Lame lands. Lame lands. Will Brown. Radlands. Yes, well, uh, Brown takes the lead by a half point. Ooh. Number eleven. Stop. Go. I thought that one would be right away. Considering well, that you I, got, I, I considering that you got were
1: radlands, were, well, I think both of them were waiting for more. <laughs> like you, oh, stop. No, collaborate and listen. <laughs> no, I was going to say hammer time. Oh uh,
0: yeah. Number twelve. Yes, please. No thanks. Number thirteen. Cooked fish. Stop. Cooked fish. Stop. Two seconds. king. Sushi go. Sushi go it is. Ah. Number 14. Two to go. We've got Scott with a half point lead. Hell and water. Hungry gamer. Beer
1: and bread? Is beer the opposite of hell? Well, if there's no beer, beer, it's hell. It's funny King my mind went to the same place. You know, Will, you
0: just got heaven your other ale. half point. Heaven and Ale. It's Heaven and Ale. I was going to say, you get your half point back. It is Heaven and Ale. We'll give you the full point. We've got Will leading by a half point, so the last one to take it all home. All right, let's get on the edge of the seat for this one. Ready? Hate mail. Brown on the dinger
1: first. This is for you, Scott. Love letter. Love letter, it is.
0: Congratulations, Woo! Two guys, that two for two, I'm two for two. Are you two for two? Oh, you no. got him last time. Too. You know what? There if might I be I have a delay. Point. There might be a delay. You guys have that fast internet out in California. Scott's only forty minutes from me, but I, I feel like he's coming that in slower so on the out. Like, I'm
1: like bouncing off twelve <laughs> satellites to get to
0: you. <laughs> oh, thanks for playing well. That's uh, cool. it, I, you know that's a lot of fun, and that makes that for an easy to make segment. Like, that was a stressful segment. (laughs) Gentlemen, we've come to the end of episode 89. Scott, man, we're getting real close to 100. And I was thinking, you know know. what what I think would be kind of, we got to come up with some neat things to do on 100. I want to play other people, you know, like, hey, you guys are awesome. You know, let a bunch of people pat us on the back. But maybe, maybe that'll be, you know, we've never done is our top 10. You know, we make it a point to not mm. do top lists unless we're talking right, about right. games that we've already reviewed for context's sake. You and I have never actually done our personal top tens no, on the show. Haven't. I'll tell you, at least half of mine we've never done is a review. So I, I feel like that'd be a maybe. Maybe that'll be our groundbreaking. I I,
2: I like that. We'll, we'll
0: we'll tuck that away for right now. We'll we'll think yeah. about that. Put for yeah, for it for right now. are still your top in, ten Twilight Imperium factions. I would be delighted. Let's talk how we leveled
1: up. This go, Will, you're the guest. Give us a level up since the last time you were with us. Oh man! Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the easy one. Soaring past 5,000 subscribers, which to which, admittedly, in the YouTube social media world, is nothing. Like Ariana Grande could fart on a snare drum and get 5,000 subscribers. But that was a hell of a <laughs> clip, though. Right? I mean, you subscribed, <laughs> man, but. I will say, but it it took a while to get there. Really satisfying, and just even going back and looking at my own growth from terrible content to mediocre content has been just delightful. Very mediocre. Right. You know, if, if I was a parent... I'd have a mug that said, world's okay as dad. You know, that, that's, <laughs> that's me. But it, it's been a blast in getting to actually kind of connect with people and pop in on podcasts and have people join and then actually go to conventions and play games with people that I've listened to or talked to. It's it's always very, very cool. So the 5,000 mark felt felt really cool. So that that's my big old level up. Yeah,
2: that deserves it. It's a, well deserved, Will. deserves a clap. Good for you.
1: What you got, Scott.
2: Well, I spend a lot of time talking about these guys, but I did another weekend with Fraternity Brothers, and this time we did it, I mentioned earlier, was a board game weekend, and it was just great to be able to sit down with them, talk absolute nonsense, play a ton of games, drink some beer, it was a great weekend to just get along and get out with these guys I haven't seen in, oh, years, some of them, so... Good weekend of gaming, and uh, there's one there I will have to say that he's he's to come to the hobby, and uh, oh, we were at got him. Um, Game Haven uh, Bakery in York, and he walked out with quite a few games from there. So uh, uh, you reeled him, good in. on him. So Graz, this is this
1: is you. I'm talking about you, Graz. And uh, are you are you Lambda Lambda Lambdas? Uh, no, Omega Moose. Nobody got that? Bless
2: you. you I don't got it. In Lambda, Lambda, Lambda? Omega Moo. It's Revenge of the Nerds. I know. It was oh. Lambda, Lambda, Lambda in the Omega Moos.
1: Oh, I didn't know the other one, so I guess I'm the asshole here. God, you oh. don't know your own joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just got oh, the half Brown. joke.
1: It was a half joke. It, Again, I the
0: whole
2: thing with the Again he has Lambda, progressed Lambda, from
1: Lambda in <laughs> <and> Omega Moos. <laughs> Whoo.
0: Guys, I'll keep it gaming related. Uh, it's, uh, it's gotta be the, uh, the ELO ranking for obsession, which is, right. the, in the grand scheme of the ELO ranking on obsession, which is not uh, in the grand scheme of things anything that important, but you know what? It was challenging. Uh, it was rewarding and I'm quite proud of it. So to have crossed the 500 and, and have ranked fourth in a game. You know, it's the only measure that we have right now outside of like world championships of board gaming and you know, like unofficial crap that has a small crowd. This is the only thing we have that is a worldwide group of people that's got a system by which it ranks how you stack up against people. And uh, to have hit fourth on that felt, uh, felt like, hey, I- I'm pretty good at this game. I can't seem to do it at other games, but uh, I'm really, really proud of that one. So that is my level up for 89. Well, good for you as well there, Patrick.
1: Good for you!
0: <laughs> hey, Adventurers, thanks for listening to us today. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, March 25th, starting at noon, go until 8. We're going to be at the Four Horsemen and Robinson. We hope to see you there. We've got all kinds of giveaways. Should make for an excellent day, as always. You know, before I give you the last word, Scott, did you listen to your last word of last episode that you weren't actually a part of?
2: No, because I've been basically in bed for this past week with a horrible cold, so I haven't listened yet.
0: Well, go ahead and take the last word for this.
2: Alcohol may be man's worst enemy, but the Bible says, love your enemy. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us for this episode of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. That's where you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes and the Heatley Brothers. And remember, whether in hobby or in life, always do what you can to level up.